Welcome to the Harrisburg Brethren in Christ Church podcast. My name is Ryan Cagno. The HPIC podcast brings you weekly episodes on the topic of discipleship, where we'll sit down with members of the HPIC family to hear their stories, hear about the different ways people at HPIC are pursuing discipleship, in other words, how they are learning to follow Jesus' example and obey his teachings in their daily lives in practical ways. This week, I sat down with Helena Cicero to talk about creation care, um, care for the environment, for the created world, um, what that means, why we should do it, why we sometimes don't, her personal um, kind of reasons for why this has become a passion for her. We talk about bugs and worms and just using reusable grocery bags. It's a, it's a really great conversation. Helen is a delight and uh, an inspiring person um, on this topic. So grateful to be able to share this with you. Helena Cicero, welcome to the podcast. Good to be here. Uh, we wanted to talk about creation care. Is that the phrase that you would use? Yeah, that would, yeah, that okay. would be it. Okay. Um, let's get right into it. Uh, describe for me, tell me the story of your, the genesis of your interest, the genesis nice. of your interest in uh, <laughs> creation care and how that's uh, been woven into your story so far. So when I was in college, I went to Messiah, and I was a biology major, and I ended up taking classes basically because a friend was going and she wanted someone to go with her um, at what's called Al-Sabal Institute of Environmental Studies. So I went and took a marine stewardship class and a restoration ecology class and a Oh, goodness. Um, I guess it was a stewardship class, like kind of general. Oh, no, sustainability. That was the third class. Um, and that was my first introduction into kind of a theology of creation care. And at that point, I was uh, just finishing my sophomore year of college, kind of trying to figure out um, both what I wanted to do in life, but also like trying to make faith make sense to me. Um, and like I grew up in the church. It's always been part of my life. But, like, I've always had questions about kind of what it means to be a Christian, how we kind of love each other, care for each other, and, like, kind of what it means to be a Christian. Um, and my experience at Osabo was things just kind of came together for me. Like, God is creator God. Um, makes That God makes a lot of sense to me um, more than, like, God of judgment or God of... Um, and not that God's not all of these things, but um, like God of love. Um, so understanding God as the creator of both um, our natural world and humanity um, just made a lot of sense to me. And then that kind of became the framework for um, what I studied and how I understood my Christian faith. You had come into this with like an interest in... I want to say the environment, nature, <laughs> were you like an outdoorsy person? Like, was there a reason that that aspect of creator God kind of struck such a nerve for you? I was not, uh, I mean, I played outside and, but I wasn't, I wasn't a hiker. I wasn't a, I don't know. Um, so no, like I was, I was studying biology because I really enjoyed a dissection class I took in high school. Who doesn't? <laughs> right. <laughs> we dissected a fetal pig for a whole year. And when we get like funky, we'd like dunk it in like the 
I don't know, formaldehyde and like clean it up and then just keep dissecting. Um, but that got me interested in biology. And then um, the environmental piece. Yeah, I like being outside, I, but I didn't know that about myself. Um, I like learning about things. I'm a very curious person and there's like so many levels to be curious about in the natural world, whether you're looking at like different species or different kinds of species or behavior, how things interact with each other. Um, so I think that's probably it. I've never thought of that before, but yeah, like the levels of curiosity. Okay. Just your science interest and kind of how things work and kind of the intricacies there. And, um, okay. When you say creator God, like what, what all is packed into that suitcase? Like what, what all do you mean by that? Or explain the resonance there for me. Um, I think that goes into that is kind of all knowing, um, and that God kind of breathed this all into, into being, um, like kind of your Genesis one type, um, look at the world, but also that not only did God create it, but also that it was good, um, and that it existed for a long period of time before humans were created, um, and so that, that twist on what's important to God, that, you know, we weren't, it wasn't like God created everything at the same time and put humans in charge, um, which I wasn't necessarily taught that before, but like lots of people think that. So like, what does it mean that like the earth, the creation um, was good I would believe for millions of years. I was going to say for, <laughs> for five whole days, right, Helena? Before humans were introduced. Um, and I think that tells us something about God. Um, and I've always been uncomfortable with the mysteries of God. And I think all of it is rooted in mystery. Like, why? I don't know. But that's how it was. And God did it that way. And God is God in all of this. Um, yeah. No, that's interesting. That's good. We tend to have a very anthropomorphic read on Genesis 1. Yeah. Um, and the whole scripture, right? And so we can miss some of the emphasis on the created world and the land. And like God, there's a lot of stuff we take for granted throughout scripture, especially the Old Testament, that expresses just like a concern and an interest in the world God made. Um, or even, you know, towards the end of Job when God's trying to express his like, you know, ineffability to Job or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's through the terms of like, look at these crazy animals that I made and, and, and how wild they are and, and you know, what you can learn about me through that. Um, There's those types of things that we take for granted, you know, that we, we obviously read it through the lens of humans are the main characters in the story, you know, yeah. Um, and I, I don't think when you look at Genesis one and Genesis two, like there's no reason to imagine that humans have a certain prime of place. Like I do think God values us in a different way and mm-hmm. more so than alligators. But <laughs> yeah, but the fact that God is also the God of, of everything that we see and, you know. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, this idea that then, you know, humans were created and um, told to, like, keep and care for the creation. Right. Um, and this 
this connection, the same word like to keep, um, care for, sometimes I think it's translated as this, that's where the dominion Sub- over. Subdue. Subdue. Right. Um, but I think it's much more, the same word I guess is used later where God, I'm not gonna be able to come up with it off the top of my head, gives a blessing like to bless you and keep you, let my face shine upon you. Like that's the same word. So if we're the, like. The, the keep you part. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, that level of, it's not just rule over, subdue. It is care for, love, like, um, yeah. Gardeners. Yeah. 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 I've always thought, um, I never knew anything about gardening, and I still know a a small amount. But I know that, you know, with a tomato plant, for example, like, tomatoes are going to flourish uh, more if you have someone that's like suckering them, that's like clipping off mm-hmm. the lower branches and the stuff that's not producing and, you know, so that more can go to the tomatoes, whatever. And just in general, if you've ever had a garden and you've ever, you know, not tended it, but what's the, what's the purpose of the gardener? It's not to take a machete and hack everything down and, and to right. stand there and laugh over <laughs> what you have dominion on. It's to, it's to see the flourishing of it. Right. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, right now in our world, we see gardening or cultivating the land as these industrial commercial right. things. But in reality, if you really were like gardening to provide food for your family, you'd have to understand all the ways that the plants interact with each other and the different things that each plant needs. Um, and so it, and this I think goes back to my curiosity and like the interconnectedness of it, like needing to understand all of that to actually care for it it's a whole different level of care than even kind of the way I garden. Yeah. And the, the concern for like rest Mm -hmm. for the land, letting your fields lay fallow, um, just the paradigms of the relationship to the land in the old Testament versus, um, in, in an industrial world in a post-industrial world, our relationship to the land is that it's a thing to be, just ruthlessly exploited until in some cases it's ruined and you move on to another piece of land that you you take from someone else. Right. (laughs) And we, you dry and we use that up until it's, you know, it's like not a, turns out it's not an inexhaustible resource and we can like, you know, at least permanently in, in the scope of hundreds of years, like kind of ruin and, and leave land, you know, worthless. Um, yeah, so it's crazy that there are literal commands in Scripture to like, hey, give the give that field a, a break. Yeah, you know, every couple of years, you know, um, let it rest, let it just grow, and you know, don't tend it, don't whatever, and um, for its health. Um, yeah, so for you then, th- th- there's your interest in in the Creator God and creation, and you're just kind of intellectual interest in how it works and the intricacies (laughs) and everything. Um, what does, what does creation care mean for you? I assume, well, I know that you, you believe we have some, some type of mandate to, uh, appropriately keep and cultivate. Um, what exactly does that look like? How are we failing that? You know, let's talk about it. Oh my goodness. Like, well, I guess I can only be thankful that we serve a God of grace because I think everything in our current society is pretty much set up against 
caring for the creation. I think the systems that we have, the way we get our food, the way we travel upon the land, the way we, um, yeah, anything you can think about, I think we are probably not doing it right. <laughs> um, so what does that mean? Um, I don't know. I. It's interesting. I've ended up, again, not at all where I thought I was headed, but I want to at my work, I teach kids about the natural world. Um, and one of the things I really try to do is inspire awe and wonder um, in the creation. Now at my work, it's I can't always use that language. Sometimes it's in our natural world. Um, when I'm talking to public school children or what have you. But I do think that's part of how I do creation care, getting people to look at the world um, notice it, experience it, um, connect with it, uh, yeah, learn about it, um, and ask themselves questions about how they kind of live on the earth. Um, I don't have, I don't know, <laughs> it's like Aldo Leopold, who um, was a kind of wrote Sand County Almanac, like he talks about how ecologists or people who care about the environment um, kind of live alone in a world, a world of wounds, I think is the quote. And I do think there's some of that, like everywhere you look, there's wounds in our world. So um, I, there's not a ton of hope. And actually I teach, I'm teaching environmental ethics right now, and um, my students are pretty, I don't know, they're not hopeful, um, and I'm really kind of trying hard to think about how to instill hope in this world that's really ecologically broken, um, and what, how to do that. I'm not sure. Um, I think it comes to asking, noticing the world, and talking amongst other Christians, hopefully, about how we can live better in it. Um, and doing that in the same way we do other things or don't do other things, like talk about how we um, like care for each other, how we spend our money, how we, um, the kind of lives that we lead, uh, yeah. how we get around the city, how we don't get around the city because we don't live here. Um, those kinds of questions, I think, are really relevant questions that relate to caring for the creation. Um, let me take a half step back. Why should a Christian care about caring for the creation? Um, As opposed to not caring? Yeah. So um, let's take a hypothetical Christian who would say, on first point, uh, the point, you know, we belong to a spiritual kingdom, not an earthly one. And we want to keep the focus on saving souls. Um, and the world's going to be destroyed in the end anyways and remade. So why should we s expend energy, um, on, on worrying about the creation? Are we on a, if we're on a sinking ship, shouldn't we just be inflating the life rafts and not worrying so much about trying to bail water out of the ship and, and keep it from sinking? Oh, goodness. I could go a bunch of different ways. I'm kind of curious how we're 
even bailing water out of the life rafts at this point with your analogy. But, I mean, I don't believe that the earth is going to go up in flames at the end. I believe that God is going to come back and restore God's creation. Um, so if that's the view I have, like there is worth in um, caring for the creation, God's creation. And I think it's pretty, I don't know, is it, it's either arrogant or oblivious or naive or something to think that we can just ruin use and abuse something that God created and said that it was good and like took joy in that creation and take took joy in the the things themselves like the birds like what is this like they know how many God knows how many feathers are on the sparrow like and the beauty of the lilies and like we're just gonna trample that in our uh, I don't know um so I do think Christians are like, we believe we need to be obedient to God. And so I think in that vein of obedience, caring for the creation is there too. Yeah. I agree with you. I was, you know, <laughs> just playing devil's yeah, advocate. Yeah. I, and I've, you know, I, I think the, I do think something you put your finger on there, the, your view of the end, end times, I, I don't want to even say that, it seems so loaded to say that, but your view of you know, what's going to happen to this physical world does probably affect you know, how you think we should treat it in the present. And I, I agree with you. If we think there is some level of, like, continuity, mm-hmm. you know, that this world isn't just totally, like, thrown on the cosmic trash heap, but that it's restored and renewed, um, that, that that has a whole bunch of implications. One of them, yeah, is that how we care for it now seems to matter a lot more. Um, you know, and the way that we live here um matters more it's not just about throwing people in the life raft of heaven necessarily you know mm-hmm. we also have imperatives on us about creation and about justice you know if we mm-hmm. believe that's the world we're headed towards and there's some continuity then we should want to w- work to create a world that uh reflects the reality we're headed towards the kingdom we think we belong to uh, if it is a new heavens and a new earth, if we if there is some like physicality to it still, um, and it's not just sitting on a cloud with a harp and wings, you know, if that's not um, and good grief singing for ten thousand years. Yeah, right. I know that Patrick is so excited to sing <laughs> ten thousand years and then forevermore. And then more. forevermore. Um, that sounds. I know he's ready for that. Um, wow. But if that's yeah, if that's your view of heaven, then I could see why you'd think like just save souls and nothing else really matters. But if we think we do value quote unquote saving souls and and belonging to the kingdom. Well, the kingdom we belong to one way we can bear witness to it, be living signposts to it is in our care for the creation of like, you know, we believe there's, you know, we believe that the new heavens, and new earth is going to be a place of like flourishing uh, as God intended it at first when he created and said, this is good and very good. And Mm -hmm. so we want to like, work to see that here now as a, as a living witness to what's coming. And the same is true for justice work. Um, I think something that's happened, especially for Protestants, but I think the church in general over time, and especially the last 800, 700 years, um, 
and especially since the Reformation, there's been a like an intellectualization of the faith and just kind of like it's become a thing of just like the head and thing of like beliefs and it's just disconnected and, and the soul and it is just disconnected from the life we live and mm-hmm. from the physicality of, of the life that we live and stuff. And it wouldn't to the point where I think sometimes creation care or environmental concern is almost seen as like a pagan mm-hmm. concern, right? That's like, that's paganism. It's like, well, or it's like, Old Testament, like you know, it's like, <laughs> or it's like historical Christianity, actually. Yeah. Um, and we've 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 made it seem pagan because we've become just these like you know, head only Christians. But and I just think there's so much we can learn about God and the nature of God from looking at the creation, like the levels of intricacy within like. You know, like we think of the creation maybe as, you know, deer and coyotes. I don't like, you know, but I'm trying to think of animals that like we might see in our immediate area and like raccoons and birds. But then there's a whole world of um, insects and arthropods, um, not even to mention like bacteria that we don't even think about that God created like the percent of species that are like non-vertebrates, I think it's over 90%, you know? And so we're kind of in awe and wonder at, you know, the large mammals that God created, but that's not even taking into consideration the like hundreds of thousands of insects um, Mm -hmm. and worms and yeah, all these things that really like God created all of them. And that shows us that God does care about really small things and the way things interact with each other. And, um, and I think that tells us about God. What does it tell you about God? Uh, I'm just curious, like probing more into that, the, the variety and, and apparent creativity and how many insects there are and the scale of, you know, they're tiny. <laughs> we <laughs> right. never think about right. them and the interactions between them and, and our world. Well, I think on one level, it just tells us about the creativity of God. Yeah. But I also think it tells us that, I mean, if we, if saving human souls was really the only thing that God cared about, then why would so many other things have been created? Mm -hmm. Why would our world look the way it does now? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think we're actually missing something about the nature of God by not trying to probe into that. And I don't know that I have an answer except to say that there is mystery and depth here that I do not understand. But that tells me something about God. And I think there's something very humbling about realizing that we don't have God figured out. And so um, that doesn't mean, that actually draws me closer to God. Because if I had to accept the God that, like, at least our culture puts forward right now as being the whole complete God period end of sentence, that's not all that compelling to me. Um, And it's kind of scary actually. So like this idea that God is way bigger than that and that there are depths and yeah, that we haven't even begun to think about within the church. Like that draws me in. I'm definitely interested in that. Um, So. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Yeah. 
You got me wanting to learn about insects. <laughs> um, so how would you like to see us be more faithful in caring for the creation at a personal level? We can talk societally too. <laughs> I'm sure that's where like hope breaks down a little bit is when we think about what drives our culture and, and is there really any hope in the midst of chasing rampant profit um, that we're going to care for our creation well. So I'm kind of answering my own question there, but um, <laughs> we can talk the macro or the micro. I, I feel like as Anabaptists, we kind of want to put some priority and emphasis on local faithfulness. But how would you like to see Christians do this better? Um, well, I think the first thing is kind of recognizing it's important. That's sure. huge. Um, and so, okay, for example, um, for Lent the last couple years, one of the things I have done is I've given up um, single-use plastics. Um, so that means, you know, not getting coffee, not using silverware, um, just kind of being more thoughtful about how I'm going to go about my days without using plastics. Um, so I'm doing this and feeling great about it, you know, probably on day 30. And I walk into the cafeteria where I work at Messiah, and apparently the dishwasher's down, and they are using plastics and styrofoam. And I look around, and I don't know how many people are in there, hundred, like 600, 800, and I felt this, like, very deflated. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, so you haven't been using plastics for, what, 30 days, and you didn't even, like, eat off them all the time? Like, what is the point of this? Um, and then I had this thought, like, I feel the way, so these small things that we do, giving up plastics, you know, carrying a cup around, um, you know, we don't take plastic bags at grocery stores. If we forget our cloth bags, that just means we have to carry everything piece by piece. That's your punishment for forgetting the bags. Um, these small things, they're not going to change the world, but they change us. I think about it the same way I think about prayer. Like, I don't always think that prayer is going to change the world, but it's going to change me and my relationship to God and my relationship to the world. So these small things that we do, um, making intentional choices to, like, we try not to use Ziploc bags. And when we use Ziploc bags, we wash them out and reuse them as often as possible. Um, we try to use more environmentally safe cleaners. Like, that these things are making us more aware of how we're living in the world. Um. Yeah, no, the plastics in the cafeteria is a really interesting illustration. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's really demoralizing. <laughs> sure. But I feel like a lot of aspects of the Christian life and faithfulness could be demoralizing in a similar way if you really, yeah, you know, not just my use of plastics. There's so many things that we feel like we would be called or led to do by Jesus that we do. And then we look around at the world and it's like, well, shoot, you know, like what good is it that I'm not retaliating against my, you know, coworkers when we have a whole region of the world being like blown to bits right now mm -hmm. by bombs. Um, so, you know, it's kind of a similar thing. Like my, my, um, disavowal violence is a drop in the ocean of the violent world we live in, you know? Um, I guess 
in some ways that could be a cause for a hopelessness, but I just think it's indicative of, you know, the faithfulness we're called to is not necessarily about, uh, we hope it has an effect on the world, um, but it's not necessarily oriented towards being like effective or making Mm -hmm. a ton of sense. You know what I mean? Um, at the same time, I do also believe that if we worship the God of the insect, then we worship a God that we do believe that like the tiny little things that we do matter. Mm-hmm. If we worship the God of the, you know, the Jesus of the widow and the two pennies, um, then we believe like we shouldn't discount whatever it is we're doing, even if it's like, uh, how significant could that have been? Yeah. Um, well, it, ma- it, it matters, you know? Um, you're not going to get to, you know, heaven and, and, God says to you, like, I really wish you would have focused on more large scale reforms, Helena, like, right. <laughs> as you're, you know, washing out <laughs> plastic bags. Um, just as a word of hopefully encouragement to you and anyone else, like, you know, um, one, I think it does matter still. And two, even if it didn't matter, it's like what faithfulness is, right? And, and you're, as you said, you're being changed by it. Um, your relationship to God and to the world is being changed by it. Uh, and it's an example to other people, you know, um, are there other things? Should I start driving a Prius? <laughs> you um, don't already? No. <laughs> yikes. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I think that's important and I think a lot of it is people doing what they can do. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing we talk about a lot, uh, cause historically, like I've really enjoyed traveling and my family, we do in, like we've traveled a good bit. But what does that look like when we're traveling just for our own personal gain and flying all over the world? Um, I've started to really question whether that's right, whether that's how we should be using the resources in our world. So, yeah, um, and we've kind of come down to, you know, like if we have a kind of reason to go somewhere, like you know, even if it's just like my family, we went to on a trip to Kenya a couple of years ago because I had spent some time in Kenya as a child and it was pretty formative in kind of my view of the world. And also like there's amazing animals to see in Kenya. Um, but like that took a lot of discussion for us to talk through like, did the good outweigh the bad, you know? And I think it's okay to decide, yes, we do want to do this thing or we want to go on this trip or have this item. Um, But I think there's a lot of, like, the process of getting there is important. Um, And then, yeah. Yeah, I love that. It's You you guys, like, you and Patrick and your family, um, just think about things with more intentionality. And I don't know if that's even the right word, but you think more deeply about your choices and things you do than most people I know. And I find it inspiring. So I just want to say that on the podcast. (laughs) Um, I like about, yeah, about your finances, about your, the environmental impact of what you do. Like most people are not hitting pause on a family vacation to think about, is this worth like the jet fuel and the, you know, financial expenditure and, and everything else, you know what I mean? Um, and there's cynical voices in my head that are like, just go to Kenya, you know, like. Well, and we did. The Boston, like, Celt- <laughs> the Boston Celtics are going to fly across country <laughs> right. 50 times this year on like a private jet. Like, 
you can go to Kenya one time, but um, I don't know. I picked the Boston Celtics. Go Sixers. Um, <laughs> but, um, but I admire you just being thoughtful. Like it feels like you guys just take a fine tooth comb over your lives and think, you know, through the lens of just like, what does faithful living look like? Um, I almost want to pause and ask like, how did you get there? Like most people don't as, cause I think creation care is part of just like a holistic living. Like you're, you want to see, um, you want to see just kind of like an integrated holistic version of faith playing out in your lives, which is probably why the creator God was so appealing for you in some way. I would imagine mm-hmm. is because it like opened it up to where like my faith is relevant to the whole of creation and to everything yeah. in a very integrated holistic way. Um, well, I do think, I mean, I don't know if this completely answers your question of how we got here, but I do think the typical boxes that, I don't know, 21st century Christianity puts God in didn't make sense to either Pat or I. So I think these questions that we have in this way of looking at the world and the intentionality with which we go throughout our life, like, it never made sense to me that the only thing important was, like, um, saving souls or evangelicalism. Um, So, like, if that's what Christianity was about, that, yeah, that's not, (laughs) that wasn't making sense to me. Or, um, and I feel like my whole life, um, I've been, this might be a little bit hyperbole, but, like, like, one foot out of the church. Like, what is this? And so this, like, faithful living obedience to God in the how we live our lives um, and how we care for each other, justice, um, these things, that makes sense to me. Um, if it was about just evangelism or um, that way of living in the world as a Christian, I don't, that would have pushed me out. Um, it had to be a whole life thing for you. Yeah. And it had to be, yeah, like I want to be a (laughs) different person because I'm a Christian. I want to be a, um, faithful person who's like, yeah, takes care of the creation, takes care of the poor, um, is humble, is, um, promotes justice, like all these things. Yeah. Um, it has, yeah, holistic is probably a really good way of looking at it. Um, and this, it, it can't just be about me and mine. Um, I think for me, I need to see a difference between, um, how I live as a Christian and how just a American in 2023 who has the resources I have lives their life. And if there's no difference there, then there's not, like, that seems pretty, what's, desolate. I can't think of the word, like, void. Void is, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Amen to that. I mean, and that's come up on Sunday Night Bible Studies with, like, the money thing, too. Just, like, how are we in any way different than the world around us in terms of how we relate to our stuff and how we use our money? Um, 
Amen and amen. Is there any uh, last things you'd want to share or leave us with in regards to creation care? Um, salient thoughts. I know you want to just cast judgment on everyone who doesn't have cloth <laughs> grocery bags and uh, drives a pickup truck. And well, dumped. <laughs> <laughs> they do have electric pickup trucks if you have $100,000, I guess. No, and I think I think some of these things are... Like, you ask about what the individual can do, and I think Mm -hmm. that's really important. But, like, some of these things are bigger than that. So, like, I don't think plastic bags should even be an option at our stores. And there are lots of places where they're not. So, like, what can we do kind of bigger? Like, I think we can change our systems that make the choices for us that aren't great choices. Um, So, I don't know what that necessarily looks like, but I think being like members of our communities and like responsible citizens who are like trying to change policies. Like all of those things are really important too. Mm -hmm. Not just like, I think the little things in my own life are important, but I also think like community engagement, um, dare I say voting, uh, those things are also important things that as Christians we should be thinking about. We're Anabaptists. We don't vote, but I hear what you're saying. Otherwise, I'm kidding. <laughs> I didn't get the, the faces Helena just made. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I hesitate to too too dramatically say like it's up to the individual to figure it out because I do feel like there's like there are very definite things we ought to be emphasizing and doing. But um, yeah, to your point of just like a first good step is to care. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually important to care. And then just to begin to think about it. And I know you and I know Patrick enough to know you're not you're not coming at this from a place of judgment or from a, well, you ought to do this or you shouldn't be driving that car, et cetera, et cetera. You guys are very focused on your own faithfulness and just kind of trusting other people to, to work it out for themselves. But, um, yeah, I think the caring is a huge thing. Like it all flows from theology in the end to a large degree. Um, and you know, what do we think of the world and, and what do we think our place in in it and our responsibility is to it um plays a huge role and then all those different ways that we could like attack it um i would say vote if you feel compelled to do that (laughs) sure Um, sure uh, we've talked about it i think i've i don't know if i've talked about it in the pot or not don't let voting be a um like a uh, placebo from doing the other things locally and like living a life where you're in, in and don't underestimate the value of like local stuff. Again, going back to the God of the insects, like yeah. if you could change Mechanicsburg or Harrisburg or whatever in, in some fundamental ways, um, that matters, even if like the rest of our country doesn't change. And that's also born from a little bit of cynicism about like change at a national level and how much you know our voting actually you know and i probably should say community engagement more than voting like because i think you can be really engaged and promote change in your community without it necessarily being through the ballot box yeah the last thing i'll say and i like i don't think we should discount i mean i would think everybody has had an experience where they're in the creation and they experience god people might describe it as finding peace or maybe even finding themselves like was it thoreau who went out in the wilderness to find himself even though like he went into town to get all his food um but like 
I think that tells us something about the nature of God too. And so maybe part of this is just recognizing that um, for whatever reason, I've experienced God in the city, like in the middle of bustling traffic. So I'm not saying the only place you can experience God is in like the woods or by a waterfall or whatever, but there is something about places that are quiet, where there aren't a lot of people, where nature is all surrounding you, that um, oftentimes we feel God's presence there. Um, And I've had moments of whether God spoke to me or clarity, those. So I think that that's worth noticing too, that like, um, yeah, like is it like the contemplative way of experiencing God? Um, And I know a number of people who kind of say, you know, I get a lot more out of going on a hike Sunday mornings than going to church. Um, And we can be like, well, you just should go to church because church is good. But like maybe there's something there too. So, um, yeah, just kind of listen to that and find ways to experience God. Yeah. I agree. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, that bears out my experience. I don't know what it is about just going outside. Even if it's like even the difference of praying while walking around my neighborhood versus Mm -hmm. praying inside, uh, you know, a room in my house. uh, It just seems different for whatever reason. Yeah. You said it very well, so I won't add any more to it. Thank you, Helena. <laughs> you were very welcome. Great podcast. Top five. Wow. Top 28 for sure. That's okay. I think that's how many episodes we have. But um, I'll take it. <laughs> no, top five. I'll add out the other part. Uh, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs>